Ladies and gentlemen, fellas, 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 and should I say, because it's Masters Week, the patrons out there, how y'all doing? We're here. We're a couple months and a lot of months later, right? We're not in the spring like we should be. We're all the way here, close to the winter right now, the fall, whatever you want to call it, for the Masters. And boy, oh boy, am I excited. Look, the Masters is a tradition that I'm going to miss being with friends this year, being in college every single year. We're all wearing some fancy suits. Everybody's just watching, betting the live holes. We're going to be doing that. Maybe we'll have to get them up on the Skype or the Zoom call. I'm going to have a ton of fun either way with this one. I cannot wait. The Masters is just it's an absolute gem. It's an absolute tradition. And I'm happy and grateful that we have it this year. I'm also happy that all you motherfuckers are here with me right now. So I appreciate you all in advance. Thank you for being here. We're going to go through the salary ranges for the Masters. I have my projections done right now. They'll be up on Patreon pretty soon. I expect to have ownership projections as well this week on Patreon. And, and this week, something that we were doing before the NFL started, we're going to be doing a live stream for the Masters for one hour Wednesday afternoon. So be sure right now, hit the like button, hit the big old subscribe button that pops up on the YouTube channel. You listen on the podcast chance to win $50 if you leave a five-star rating and review and a way for me to contact you. But that notification bell will let you know when I go live, not only for all my NFL content, but for the Masters live stream on Wednesday, where we'll finalize the ownership. We'll talk about my 150 max lineups because we're trying to bank a lot of these big contests. I cannot wait. And before we get into all the DraftKings salaries and all that stuff and where my early interest leans and where these guys' recent forms are right now and how the course fits and and all the differences, because there's some differences, especially with the cut ruled just a couple of seconds ago. I have a tweet that I'll put up about the new cut rules at the Masters starting in 2020, the first change since 2013, the Masters official Twitter account at the Masters. But this video will be brought to you by Monkey Knife Fight. And yes, you're going to be playing DraftKings. That's why you're here for this video, DFS. But Monkey Knife Fight is also a player prop site and specializes in fantasy sports props over under fantasy points, over under for this specific instance with golf, pars made, birdies made, all these situations. Will this player beat this player, these head to heads? So be sure to check out Monkey Knife Fight. It's a ton of fun. If you're not already over there right now, it's a totally different way to have a sweat. You can sweat specific holes, you can sweat specific golfers and not have to worry about building an entire lineup. That's still a ton of fun. That's why we're here. But it's a nice other sweat and a nice totally different mindset to be in with Monkey Knife Fight. If you use my last name, Vetri, V-E-T-R-I, as a promo code upon sign up, you'll get free money up to 50 bucks. So you put 20 bucks in, bam, free money match of 20. A weird number like 37, bam, 37 back. If you're a heavy hitter, head honcho, kingpin, bam, 50 bucks in, you have 100 in your account. Check out Monkey Knife Fight, link down below. Proud sponsor of the show. I appreciate all of you over at Monkey Knife Fight. And with all that said, let's get into it. So if you need a little bit of a course preview, a lot of people discover. DFS golf. I did this three years ago by just the masters getting involved in it, maybe having a good week or just a nice sweat. That's what happened with me. I won $10,000 three week, three years ago at the masters. And it was a ton of fun. It's a par 72 coming in just under 7,500 total yards. You can see some of this on the screen. Number 11 will play as the most difficult hole on the course. It's a par four average scoring of 4.37 on it. The easiest hole will be number 13. It's a par five with an average scoring of 4.72. So the whole goal is to get there and tool on a lot of these par fives. Now, some believe since it's in the fall that the weather can play an issue here at the green are going to be fresher because if you're not familiar with turf science, I ended up majoring in that for a year and a half. So I have some, some little education, not as much as you groundskeepers out there right now and you turf scientists and you golf course superintendents. But basically you're going to normally be aerating and prepping for the winter this time of the season, having that greens be as healthy as possible by aerating and taking a lot of the stress out of it. So there are some expectations that you might see some fresher grass and greens that might make this course play a little bit longer as well as the weather. Now the cut line was plus four last year, but this is what I was talking about right before I ended up going live. So thank God that this happened. Thankfully, you ended up seeing that the cut rules changed. 
range. It used to be the top 50s in ties, okay, and then anybody within 10 strokes of the leader. So you had a huge percentage of golfers making the cut here, maybe 75 guys making the cut out of these 95 guys, 94 guys in the field. But the Masters tweeted out, you can see on the screen right now, beginning with the 2020 Masters, the low 50 players in ties will qualify for the final 36 holes. So on the Friday cut, they'll play the weekend. This is the first change to the cut since 2013. So that's it. Basically what I infer from this and basically all the other comments on this is saying that the final guys, the guys that are within 10 strokes of the leader will not make the cut this year. So with all the ties, you still might have 60, 65 players getting there and 60% of the field making it maybe 65%. But there's also a chance that you only have 52, 53, 55% of the field making it instead of the normal close to 70 plus percent of golfers. So this makes DFS getting six out of six even more important. And that's what I'm here to help you with right now. So there's not gonna be any fans. Tigers are defending champs. As of right now, I believe there's 94 golfers after three withdrawals. The most notable being Joaquin Neiman right now. The split tees are going to be played this week. Some people have uh, just some different expectations with that, not liking it as much. And there will be an afternoon wave. I'm looking at par five scoring, par four scoring of 450 to 500 yards and ball striking is going to be huge here. That takes into account your approach play and it takes into your account your off the tee play. That's going to be massive. Fairway accuracy to an extent will also be important, of course. Greens and regulation and birdie or better average are some of the things that I'm waiting a good amount in my projections, which again will be down below on Patreon if you want to check those out. And I'm hopeful, hopeful that we will also have ownership projections as well. Let's start this bad boy off and we'll start it off up top with some of the guys. You can see I have them labeled Y, X, and no. A yes is a Y is a yes and X is a maybe. I have some interest right now, early interest, and a no is early on, probably not going to have all that much interest. And you can start all the way up at the top of Bryson DeChambeau. If you want to know how the Masters plays, playing it long, hitting it far, staying somewhat accurate, but really just distance being a huge piece here and then being able to have some experience on the course, Bryson DeChambeau, just look at his body, look at his transformation. The reason Bryson changed his entire game was to try and win the Masters. Now he's already won an event before this. He's already been in the top three and top five in a ton of different events at this point. You saw him win the US Open, of course. You saw him win the Rocket Mortgage. So Bryson is in a situation where he's already done some of the things he wanted to do, but he wanted to do it for the Masters. And I like Bryson here at 11,200. I think there's enough value on this slate where you have tight pricing for a ma for a major to a situation where you can get Bryson easily and you can get two guys above $10,000 pretty easily as well. Bryson leads this field in bogey or better. He's top four in tee to green and he's the number one off the tee player, number two ball striking. He's not a good approach player. He's number two in ball striking because of how damn good he is off the tee right now. Now, Bryson, it doesn't matter where you look. An eighth at the Shriners, okay, fine. He had a bad performance there and he finishes eighth, right? And then he wins the US Open. We haven't really seen him much before that, the tour championship, but now we're starting to get back about two months ago or so. So pretty simply for me, he's going to be one of my highest projected players. I would assume that his make the cut odds are going to be very good and they're going to factor into my projections to make Bryson one of the highest floor and also one of the highest ceiling plays on the slate. Now, I also have some interest in Justin Thomas. I'll focus on my yeses right now. Obviously going to have interest in Justin Thomas, the number one tee to green and number one around the green player, which is actually important at the Masters, depending on when you land up. He has four years, of course, experience here, never finishing outside the top 40 and always finishing within the top 25, has back-to-back -to -back top 20 finishes at this course right now. So Justin Thomas will be in play for me. But the other guy that in this range, if you were looking to pair up two $10,000 plus guys, I might try and get to, if you can have the money, instead of going down to DJ, John Rahm and Bryson. So John Rahm's advantage is similar to Bryson in terms of not the greatest approach player, right? 31st in this field and a smaller field in that, but he's second and off the tee, only behind Bryson, and he's fifth in overall ball striking, which just tells you that his off the tee play is just that good. And if I pull up right now on my other screen here, just the recent form of John Rahm, the man hasn't lost strokes off the tee since August of 2019 at the Tour Championship. So he's absolutely dominating off the tee, and he's really rounding into as good as form as he ever has, gaining four more strokes off the tee in three straight events, and he's averaging over his last five events, 3.6 strokes gained off the tee. So John Rahm will also be a yes for me. He's also avoiding bogey, so he's getting these pars in these birdie or better situations, which is what you want, 12th and birdie or better, and third in bogey avoidance in this field right now, because you can really lose, you can blow up on a hole, right? You can have a, you can put a snowman on a hole, have an eight on a par four, a par five, and absolutely just ruin your entire chances of making the cut. Just look at Justin Rose 
Eagles last year. Just look at Paul Casey last year. So John Rahm is a guy that I think can easily avoid that for us out of one of these two guys in the top like $8,000 plus range that maybe misses the cut this week. I have no issues with John Rahm being in that situation. Again, like Bryson, high floor, high ceiling here. And I'm not against starting my lineup with Rahm or having both of them in there if you can find the value in the 6K range. Next up, Rory, you can see he's a no for me early on. It's nothing against Rory a ton, right? Like it's just, I like the guys around him more. I mean, it's hard not to like what Dustin Johnson's doing, the number one ball striker, the number one total strokes gained player over the last 50 rounds right now. And he continues to just dominate. He just finished second at the Houston Open, right? It's like, it's nothing out there. He's just going out there and you're expecting him to finish this highly. These are his top finishes since the end of June. A win at the Travelers, misses the cut at the Memorial, a very tough event, a 12th, a second at the PGA Championship, wins the Northern Trust, a second at the BMW, then wins the Tour Championship, where you have that huge lead built in with Tour Championship scoring, a sixth at the US Open, and a second this past week at the Houston Open. Now, the Houston Open in general is not really going to just jump me onto a guy like this. It's just the overall form. We're going to make Dustin Johnson a yes as I just talk myself into this, listening to this. He had the second place finish last year. He was threatening throughout the day, and he tied with a bunch of guys for second place right up there. Guys like Brooks Kepka and a ton of other guys, I believe. Uh, Xander, a bunch of guys last year tying for second place. But DJ will be a yes for me, and I think you can get some creative lineups. Bryson will be owned. DJ will be owned. So if you go John Rahm and a DJ, that can make it a little bit different. Like, I do believe that Rahm might be the situation in the piece in this upper range that will be less owned. We'll have more on that as the week goes on. And again, if you're a patron, you can have more access to that. So that's a 10K plus range. Not as much interest right now in Rory. Slight interest in JT, depending on ownership. And right now, Bryson, Rahm, and DJ, Dustin Johnson, are where I would be trying to start my lineups. Let's move now to the nine and also the 8K range, the top of it. And now we can get to Xander, a man who's usually owned, but maybe, just maybe in this range, right next to DJ, right? Right next to some guys a little bit below him. It's kind of a dead range in this mid nine range, but maybe everybody just pays all the way up. Now, if you're looking for an option in the nine K range, there's a couple guys that I do like, and Xander would be one of them, but assuming that he doesn't come in massively chalky, which last year at the Masters, he did not. He came in on their owns. He almost missed the cut. He had a huge 10 under on Friday, the best round of the day to actually make the cut. And then he goes on. He was actually threatening for first place at some points, and he finishes in that long, in that big tie for second at the 2019 Masters. But he's always going to be chalky. I mean, three out of the last four times that we've seen him, he's been 25 or more percent owned to the tour championship in a smaller field. He was 36% owned. You have a smaller field here. So don't be shocked if you see Xander coming in with 25% ownership. And if that's the case, if you're playing one to three lineups, I'm trying to cater this to everybody. But if you're playing one to three lineups, it's not going to be all that interesting to me. Now, Xander's been great, but he's kind of come down to earth a little bit with the putter cooling off the last time out at the Zozo. Like he gained seven strokes, 6.1 and 6.7 strokes putting and three straight events. And he finished second, fifth and second. Now he's known to have a good putter, but more so gaining like one stroke per round over his last hundred contests or so, not gaining six strokes per contest that came back down to earth. He didn't gain anything basically at the Zozo finishes 17. So Xander is a fine option. I can make cases for and against him, but I'm going to make it against him if the ownership is there and I won't get there. Brooks, I have no interest in. He's still playing banged up. He's still playing injured. I can't go there. Very similar to what we're going to talk about when we get to the 7k range with Gary Woodland. These guys are playing injured at this point. Now Brooks, they're saying obviously that he's healthier now. This is why he's playing in, but he's still shaping into form. Not a lot of his game is overall there. We did see Brooks last week at the Houston Open actually play well, and we saw the off the tee game come. He finishes fifth overall at the Houston Open. What did you get? You got 3.4 strokes gained off the tee. He gained six strokes with the putter. Okay, so he had a huge finish there. Now, normally, if you're going to finish top five, you have to have a good putting performance. I'm going to be interested in seeing what this does to Brooks because before last week, I didn't have any interest in Brooks. And at the Houston Open, he looks good. He shows good form. Now, his approach play wasn't the greatest there, but off the tee was clicking. Tee to green overall was clicking, and around the green and putting was very good last week. Overall, gaining over eight strokes total in the short game. So now, does this give Brooks a lot of ownership? Does it take some of that ownership off of Xander? One week is very good. In golf, if you see that recent form, that's something that you can jump onto. But if it makes him become very highly owned, I'm going to stay away. If people don't notice what he did last week, well, then that's where the edge actually comes in for us. So we'll see how much that recent form matters because he's sandwiched in between two guys that normally pick up a ton of ownership, Cantley and Xander Shoffley. Now Xander just picks up a lot more, but Cantley's a guy at $9,600 that I feel comfortable getting to. Just won the Zozo Championship the last time that we saw.
saw him. Had an eighth at the Shriners two, three events ago. So another top 10 finish. Cantley's going to be a guy that I like getting to eighth overall and overall strokes gained right now. So Cantley in this range is probably the guy that I look to the most, unless somehow Brooks continues to come unowned, then I'll go there. But I'm assuming he's going to have an ownership spike because of his fifth place finish last week and just looking good in general. Morikawa's first start at the Masters already has a major this year. Do we think he picks up another one here? Uh, nobody has ever won in their first start at the Masters. At 9,500, you would like him to win. You don't need him to win if you have somebody more expensive there or even lower down that ends up banking and winning the Masters 2020. Morikawa has been struggling of late. The last time that we saw him at the Zozo, he finished 50th. He also had two missed cuts a couple times before that. So his game's all over the place. It's look, you have a bad putter, he loses seven strokes. You're going to be finished terrible at the Zozo, finishing 50th overall. But even before that, he was missing the cut at the Shriners. He was missing the cut as well at the US Open and just tougher field events. This time, I don't know if he misses the cut here in a smaller field event, but based on the way that his game's currently going, he's in play for me, but not all that much interest compared to Xander, Cantley, and potentially even Brooks. Hatton's in a similar range for me. Hatton's game has been up and down as of late, and lately it's been back up. He finished third at the CJ Cup, a 28th at the Zozo, and then a seventh this past week at the Houston Open. He gained 5.8 strokes putting. Now he's going to be a long time good putter. He gains about a stroke putting, so he's not a bad putter, but he gained off the tee, which was good to see for Hatton, which is a part of his game that can get a little bit leaky at times. So if he can carry that over, I'll also have him just in Hatton. For a guy that in this range, Hatton, Webb, I don't know if they pick up all that much ownership. Next up, a guy who won two years ago at the 2018 Masters, Patrick Reed. And I think you get a really nice price point here. He's 28 to 1 to win this thing. He just finished 14th at the Zozo and he finished 13th at the US Open. He now has three straight top 15 finishes and eighth at the Tour Championship as well. And I like what I'm seeing out of Patrick Reed. You're seeing the putter clicking well, 5.2 strokes gained two events ago, three strokes gained the event before. You're going to need that. But if the course plays difficult, you can rely on his putter to keep him picking up pars, staying around even. If somebody wins this event at 10 under, he can be there on the weekend right around one under, two under. And you feel good about him no matter what the conditions are going to be. So Patrick Reed is a yes for me. I think you get a very good price point there. If Patrick Reed's the third guy into your lineup or even the second guy into your lineup, it's a nice situation to be in. Tiger, no interest right now. His game's all over the place. I'm just not going to get there. I know that we should give a little bit more respect to Tiger, but in terms of, yes, he won last year. He's the defending champ. He knows this course better than anybody here. I'm just not going to get there. We really haven't seen the game all that tuned up now. What does the weather do if it's a little bit colder to the back? We don't know, but just from a projection standpoint, not going to get too much Tiger this week. If he comes in 1% owned, then sure, get some Tiger. But if you're playing one to three lineups, I'm not going to be getting there. Bubba Watson is a yes at $9,000 flat. He's just looked really good at this point. I mean, Bubba Watson's clicking in a lot of different spots. He's fourth overall right now in ball striking and fifth off the tee. I mean, that's exactly what I'm screaming out when I'm talking about John Rahm and I'm talking about Bryson, except you're going to have Bubba being a better approach player as well. So now everything's clicking from an overall ball striking standpoint from Bubba. These are his finishes as of late 18th, 16th, 31st, 7th, and a fourth. And in all those events, he's picking up around the green and all five of those events, his approach play, his off the tee play, he's gaining everywhere. He has not lost off the tee since the workday back in July. So I like Bubba a lot here. The game is rounding into form for somebody who has won at the Masters. We all know that. Bubba Watson at $9,000 looks like a very strong option this week. I fear that he picks up some ownership. We'll have to track that as the week goes on. And now we get down to the $8,000 range. If you're still with me right now, I appreciate you a ton. We'll get to the seven and the six. It's not as much in-depth to break down there. Projections and ownership will help you out a lot more there. A lot of the guys in the 8K plus range usually pick up most of the ownership because, well, based on their price point, they are the better golfers. You're still here with me. Like button for me one time. Big ol' subscribe button pops up. Appreciate you all a ton in advance. Thank you so much. Be sure to check out Patreon. Patreon.com backslash Sal underscore Vetri underscore has my projections. A ton of stuff for NFL. You can look at that tier. But if you do y'all sports, you get a bunch of that. And also you'll get the golf projections, rankings, and ownership I'm hopeful to have before this event kicks off on Thursday. So in the 8K range now, there's a couple guys up top that just have really good course history here, whether it's Adam Scott, you're getting him making the cut for five straight years. He's got two top 20 finishes in there, including last year's 18th overall. Now his recent form has been really bad. So this is a concern. You're trying to weigh this course history where if you have good course history at the Masters compared to anywhere else is going to be more important. I don't factor course history all that much, very small percentages, but at the Masters, it's actually a real thing just based on the large data that we have more so than anywhere else. And he hasn't been god awful, but a 25th, a 38th, a 32nd, where is he struggling the most right now? Well, it's basically the 
irons, which is the concern here. Now, Adam Scott can turn it right on here. Long term, he's a great off the tee and approach game player. But over his last two out of three events, he's been struggling there. Overall, over the last month or two, he's been struggling in terms of approach play. So that's my one concern with him. Maybe Adam Scott, we end up making into a maybe right now. Although if I had to pick guys in this range, he would be one of my top one or two options. Next up, Tony Finau, a guy who, since he's been playing at the Masters, two top 10 finishes. Since he goes to pretty much every single major, it seems like he's threatening top 10 finishes. I expect out of the 8K range for Tony Finau to probably come out of this range being the most owned player. That's fine though. It'll depend on how much ownership because he's playing very well right now. This has been his start so far since August, the end of August, a fifth, a 17th, an eighth, an 11th, and a 24th. He's gaining everywhere basically off the tee. He's gaining everywhere in approach right now. Some of the best approach play of his career over his last, last 10 tournaments, gaining 2.5 strokes overall per contest. So I like Tony Finau, a guy who's going to grade out for you pretty well off the tee and overall strokes gained. He's a yes. No interest in Hideki. If you watch my content, you know my stance on Hideki. The guy will probably finish that best for you like 15th or 20th overall. He hasn't won anything or come close related to winning anything in a couple of years. Hasn't won anything in like four years at this point. If he wins the Masters, is 8,700. I tip my cap to him, but I've been not making money, but overall in terms of my expectations, in terms of my positive EV, not playing a decky has really just never hurt me over the last three years. So I'm not going to be getting to any a decky. Tommy Fleetwood's game is all over the place. He's a guy who was like a darling to win the masters last year, really didn't pan out finishing 36 overall. A guy who's been playing very well, not only on the easy courses now, but the difficult courses is Matthew Wolf. And recently he has not been playing well, right? You get a guy who finishes fourth at the PGA championship, a second at the US Open. Those are very difficult courses. Those are major championships. And he follows that up with a second at the Shiners and his last two events have been abysmal a 73rd at the CJ Cup, a 50th at the Zozo, losing 12 and a half strokes overall, seven and a half around the green at the CJ Cup, losing overall three and a half strokes tee to green this past week. The last time that we saw him at the Zozo back on October 25th, he actually gained strokes putting that week. So Matthew Wolf is a guy that I don't think anybody's going to want to own at this price range, but the last two majors that we've seen him, and if you just wipe off his last two events, he's been very good, almost elite levels for like a month and a month and a half of play at that point, just finishing top 20 everywhere with three top four finishes, two being at major championships. So Wolf will be in play for me. So will Jason Day as Jason Day has just kind of been all over the place over the last year or two. And now he's actually trending back upwards. Jason Day recently seventh at the Houston Open. This might actually get people back onto him because he was going miscut 64th, 38th, miscut 60th. His game was nowhere to be found. Now you have that recent form clicking in his favor where he gained in all major strokes game categories and finished seventh overall. There'll be interest. No interest in Sergio, Jordan Spieth, Ricky's game. He's still working with his coach. He does not have that all cleared up. And Paul Casey who missed the cut last year, but every other year before that finishing top 15 the last four years before the miscut last year with three top six finishes. I'll have interest in Paul Casey and I'll probably break my heart yet again. 7K range now. We'll focus on the guys that I do like in this range, starting it off with Justin Rose, whose game has been all over the place. He was the one of the higher owned guys. It was almost a decky, but he barely made the cut last year. One of the higher owned guys missed a cut. Now, Justin Rose's course history outside of the cut last year, a 12th, a second, a 10th, and a second, the four years before that has been good. You got the 17th of the Zozo, which gave you some hope on how his recent form has been, but it was kind of fluky because he gained 4.1 strokes putting and didn't do much anywhere else. Now, the weeks before that, where he basically didn't do anything else either, but also lost strokes putting a 52nd, a 25th, a missed cut. So his game is really all over the place. Having him as a yes right now is pretty aggressive. I should probably make him a maybe, but I feel like I am going to be ending up with Justin Rose here. Scotty Scheffler is going to be a rookie here. Scotty Scheffler's first start at 7,800 definitely will be in play. I'm not going to go to Fitzpatrick. I don't think this course sets up anywhere near well for him. Not going to go to Phil. Although he's won twice now in the Champions Tour, it's not going to translate over for me. Sanjay, answer, those guys stand out. Gary Woodland battling through injury, not somebody I want to go to. But this man right here, I think is going to pick up a lot of ownership. It could be worrisome, but he's 
just way too cheap at $7,300 in Cameron Smith. He's only 125 to 1 odds to win this. So if he does pick up ownership, there's a ton of merit to just fade him. There's a ton of merit to fade any golfer that's picking up a ton of ownership, especially if they're in the $7,000 range. But Cam Smith has been fantastic. I've been winning money with Cam Smith in the 6 and 7K range for like two months now, it seems. These have been his starts since August. In 18th, the 20th, the 24th, the 38th, the 24th, and 11th, and his last start at the Zozo the end of October, a fourth place there overall. Now he's gained strokes in major ways over the last four events with the putter, 4.9, 3.8, all these types of things. His concern is his off the tee play. So if he picks up ownership, I can easily fade this guy because, well, Vegas doesn't think he's going to be as good as the guys around him. So that's one good reason, one indicator to be following Vegas. But also outside of the last contest where he gains two strokes off the tee, he lost strokes off the tee in the five previous events to that. And historically, he's not the greatest off the tee player. Historically, he's a fine approach player, nothing spectacular. So if Cameron Smith, I don't know if I called him Cam Davis earlier, if Cameron Smith picks up a lot of overall ownership at 7,300, he looks good right now. Yes, a fifth place two years ago at the Masters, 51st last year. But I could easily fade this if he's going to become a little bit chalky. Kuchar and Lee Westwood, they're like similar players. I would prefer Lee Westwood over Kuchar at this point. Kuchar's game has not been the same as it has been really like the last five years that he's been at the Masters. Kevin Kisner is usually a guy that I don't play. Maybe sometimes I'll play him at these Pete Dye courses where he's usually down south, maybe stands out a little bit more. Kevin Kisner's game's been fine, 14th at the Zozo. He has a bunch of top 25 finishes over the last couple of months. He finished fourth and third back in August, back-to-back weeks at the Wyndham and Northern Trust. And it's really just a value pricing play based on projections. At $7,100, you have Kevin Kisner, four straight years here at the Masters, basically making the cut every single year, back-to-back top 30 finishes with his best finish being last year with the T31. You're going to get the good putter here. The problem is you're not going to have all that much in terms of the off the tee play. You're not going to have all that much in terms of the ball striking. Ball striking is decent at best for Kevin Kisner. Off the tee is not that great. So you're hoping that at this price range that you obviously don't need to rely on him to win the tournament. You're just trying to get one of those top 25 finishes at a cheap price point. And then to finish up the $7,000 range we go, I'll scroll down now to them so you can see actually Kisner, my bad, and Ian Poulter here. If you're listening on the podcast, how y'all doing? How's those ears doing? If you leave a five-star rating and review on the Apple podcast, or if you have an Apple device, the Sal Vetri show, or on Stitcher, if you have an Android device, chance to win $50 Ruskies. I'm going to be giving away $50 to somebody by the end of the week. Just leave a way for me to contact you. So now Ian Poulter, somebody who had the Masters last year was a very good spot for you, right? Finishes 12th overall. His last event that we saw him at back in mid-October also finished 12th at the CJ Cup. Mainly did it around the green though, right? He gained 9.4 strokes in the short game, gained four with the putter overall, been terrible everywhere else. His approach play has not been clicking. His recent form off the tee has not been clicking. But this is the exact same thing that happened to Poulter last year. Then he comes into the Masters and he just drops a 12th place finish. He's finished top 10 here before. He's made the cut the last four times that he's actually played here. So Poulter at $7,000 is also going to be in play. Those guys below 7,500 that I like the most right now, Cam Smith, watch the ownership. Kevin Kisner, think looks really good. And then also Ian Poulter. Kisner also, again, 21st last year. Let's get now to the 6K range where we can actually start to find some guys, including this range that we just talked about, the bottom of the 7K range that can allow us to get two guys in that 10K plus range, which is how I'm going to try and build my single entry and three max lineups this week. So just some interest off the top. EVR making his first start here. I'll have some interest. Henrik Stenson's game has been absolutely abysmal. You're really banking on course history where he has a fifth place finish in 2018 and did still finish top 36 last year or 36th overall, which would actually maybe get it done for you if he picked up some decent birdies, maybe an eagle at 6,800. Cam is going to be the first guy to stand out. I assume based on course history here, people might run to him. Back-to-back top 25 finishes based on the name just in general. Fourth around the green player. He's overall 16th in strokes gained in this field. So he's honestly, in my opinion, maybe $500 to $600 too cheap. Now we just saw him at the Houston Open be 26% owned and he goes out at the Houston Open and misses the cut. So I'm hoping this keeps down ownership on Siwoo Kim because I think he's fine. He's a great off the tee player. Long-term he gains strokes off the tee. Long-term he's around neutral to gaining strokes with the approach. He just comes off a missed cut. Hopefully that reduces his ownership. Zach Johnson's on here. He's been playing as good as he has been, honestly, but I probably still don't get there. Sebastian Munoz is a guy that's like automatically in my player pools at this point, very similar to Lanto in this range at 6,600. Munoz does pick up ownership usually in this range where you're also going to have Siwoo though, Lanto, even Dylan Fratelli, some guys that I think garner some more ownership. I don't know how much
much ownership you're actually going to get jumping onto Sebastian Munoz, who's maybe been arguably playing the best golf of his career over these last two to three months, dating back to middle to end of August, 18th, 8th, 8th, 59th, not great at the US Open, 23rd, 27th, 9th, and a 14th. He's really been clicking in a lot of different areas. Now the off the tee game for him, long-term is good, but it can go. It's, it's hit or miss as of late. The approach play, long-term, and recently the last four weeks has been good. His last five events overall gaining close to two strokes overall with the approach play. So $6,700 Sebastian Munoz. You're talking about guys who just go out and score in this range. He's one of the two or three best. The other guy in this range I would be in that category is Lanto Griffin overall. Lanto Griffin, very similar to Sebastian Munoz, playing very well as of late. I expect some ownership here, but down in these ranges, you never see guys pop off with insane chalk. Maybe Lanto hits like that 10 to 12 mark. I doubt he gets all the way up to 15%, but he's been playing as of well late, but similar to Siwoo, Lanto sucked at the Houston Open. I'm not taking that too much into account. A 58th overall, and it was mainly in the short range where we can rely on this guy's putter. He lost 2.2 strokes around the green and 1.5 strokes with the putter, but long-term, he's a very good putter. Your concerns would be that he's not great off the tee. That's kind of mitigated out based on the price point at this point. He's a strong approach play player, gaining strokes on approach in five straight events. I actually like Lanto more than Sebastian Munoz, and I'm hoping that his poor performance at the Houston Open actually keeps people off of him. Dylan Fratelli only played here once back in 2018, missed the cut. He's another cheap option. Again, prefer Lanto and Sebastian Munoz. We now will close this bad boy up, and again, check out Monkey Knife Fight, promo code Vetri, my last name, free money up to 50 bucks for player props. You know you're going to be there with your buddies, your family members, even if you just by yourself, like potentially I will be, or in a bar, and you're just sitting there and you're like, all right, I got my DraftKings lineups, but these bad boys, even if I'm playing Showdown, I'm going to take all day or the entire weekend. Well, bam, take out Monkey Knife Fight, get some player props fired up just for that round, and you're set to go. Promo code Vetri, V E T R I. You can tell your friends whatever you want to do. Have some fun with Monkey Knife Fight. It's a totally different mindset. It's more relaxed. You don't have to worry and sweat your lineups as much. Instead of playing a bunch of people, you're just playing Monkey Knife Fight themselves. So be sure to check it out. You get that free money bonus up to $50. Promo code Vetri, V E T R I. Let's them know that he came from me. So I'm not going to have any overwhelming interest down in this range. Like Charles Howell, like CH3 is down here. That's usually a guy that is going to grade out for me as somebody that I want to get to. Last year at the Masters, the first time we saw him there basically ever or in a really long time, finishes 32nd overall. And his game's actually been decent as of late, right? A 35th at the Shriners, misses the cut at the Corrales, which is a very weak field. So that's not good to see. But a 30th at the US Open, 48th or 44th. Like, honestly, if you just make the cut in this range, that's good. But then if you're going to push towards a top 30 finish, that's even better. 32nd finish last year. You know what you get out of him. You get the good short game. You get the terrible approach. You get the terrible ball striking. So you're hoping that that just does not absolutely fall apart, like losing five strokes or losing like six or seven strokes because the putter will be there for you. So $6,400 Charles Howell. Max Homa I'll have some interest in as well. He's in a player pool right now for me. If we're looking at somebody from a ball striking standpoint that we can just get very cheap with and hope that they make the cut and then based on the way that they fit this course can pop off, Tyler Duncan is a guy from that standpoint, but he's not been overall that great as of late, right? It's kind of a coin flip if he'll make the cut. Now he has a missed cut, a 28th, a 28th, and a missed cut and over his last four events. And he's basically like losing strokes everywhere at this point. But the thing that does fit out for him over his last 50 rounds is he's 15th overall in this field and approach play. He's 22nd overall right now in ball striking and 28th and off the tee. So if we're hoping that we can get somebody with distance and just hope and, and get luck boxed into maybe an eagle putt or a couple of birdie putts and just make the weekend for us, he actually has the opportunity based on the way that he fits up here. A 500 to one favorite to win this thing though. We don't need to win, but Tyler Duncan at 6,300 is at least appealing to me. Good old Jimmy Walker at $6,300 continues to come through making his last five cuts here and just finishing so well. 36, 20th, 18, 29th. Now, obviously your course history here more than anywhere else is going to stand out, but he's one of the worst players in this field in so many different areas. You're going to get the approach play being decent for him, 25th overall, but everything else, when it comes to off the tee, when it comes to putting off the tee, he's arguably the worst player in this field, Jimmy Walker. And as he's been playing recently, missed cut at the Houston Open, missed cut at the Shriners. The only time he hasn't missed the cut in the last basically three months, he finished 62nd at the Memorial, which you can't miss the cut there. And then he finishes 46th at the Sanderson Farm. So you're really banking on the course history here. That's the only reason I have him highlighted. If I'm playing like one to three to five to 10 lineups, I'm probably not playing any Jimmy Walker. Bernard Langer, another guy who has good, decent course history, three out of the last four missed cuts here. Another guy that you probably at least know the name of, but now you're down in the range of he's 6,100. Nobody at 
6K flat, do I want any interest in? A lot of these guys are making their first time appearance. I probably would not even go to Bernard Langer. I probably would not even go to Jimmy Walker. The last guy that I have some form of confidence in here, and these guys are making their first start, so it becomes very difficult for them to win the event to finish top 10 or top 15. At these price points, we'll just take the missed cut in the 30th finish, like we got at Charles Howells last year. But Tyler Duncan and JT post range of 6,300 is probably the lowest I go. Below 6,500, not much stands out overall. Homa and probably Charles Howell are the only other interests that I have at this point. Let's now flip over to the, the prime page where all the actual good golfers are or the elite golfers. There we go. This is the Masters 2020 show, our DraftKings picks and preview right now. Thank you so much for being here. We're going to go live, so be sure to hit the like button for me. Big ol' subscribing and that notification bell to be aware of when I go live Wednesday afternoon. I'm pumped for the Masters. Thanks for spending your time with me right now, depending on when you're watching this. Like, subscribe, do all those things. Check out Patreon. If you have any questions, you can reach out to me on Twitter at DFS. We're like 200 followers away from 10,000, the big old 10K. So thank you so much in advance. I appreciate you all a ton. Peace out, gang, and I will see you in the next one.